Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. This morning, we are going to talk about uh, a rhythm. We're talking about rhythms of the Christian life, a rhythm that I think is relevant to all of us. I want to talk about any, to anyone in here this morning who ever feels or has said, if we say, hey, how are you doing today? And you answer by saying, oh, I'm, I've, I've been so busy. Or I'm just a little stressed out. Or I've got so much to do. So it may not apply to anyone in here, but if you know anybody um, that you want to share that with, that's who I want to talk to Today, I even found myself this morning driving here, and I was driving in plenty of time. I was going to be here plenty early, and I was here very early, but I was going down Encinitas Boulevard, where the speed limit is 45, and, yeah, 45, and the car in front of me <laughs> was going 35. Can you believe them? I mean, the, we were the two people on the road, and they were going 35, and though there were two lanes, I could have gone around them, they were in... The faster lane. So what were they thinking going 35? I, I, and I, I was driving, not rushed at all, but in me, I'm just thinking like, I need to, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to just tailgate a little so they know they need to be going faster. I'm the only one who's ever done this, I know. So, and it, it's funny that I kind of, after a few seconds, like, wait, what am I doing? So I just kind of slowed down and let them go. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you, you know, Sometimes just slow drivers drive me nuts, but what, what is wrong? And like, I don't even want to speed. I just want to go the speed limit. That's all I'm asking of you. And then I realized, like, what am I in such a hurry for? And I realized, like, some of you, I just like to be going fast. I like to be doing something. I don't like things getting in my way because there's stuff to do, even if I have time to do it. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about a rhythm called the rhythm of rest and slowing down. I was thinking of uh, of when we were, uh, first year, my wife and I were married, and it was one of those when I was uh, in grad school, and I was working two part-time jobs. I was working at a church, and I was working at a public school as a substitute teacher three days a week, and trying to make ends meet. My wife got a job at a, a group home, as a, and uh, had to go to work at 5 a.m., and this is back in the day when you know, you're doing all that and you're still just scraping to get by. Anyone remember those days, you know, the early days of marriage when it's just like you do all of that just to pay rent. And um, we had one vehicle, but she had to go to work at 5 a.m. That meant that if I wanted a car for that day, I needed to get up at 5 a.m. to help her get to work because the first time I said, well, there's a bus system, you'll be fine, um, didn't, didn't work. Um, so, <laughs> and, and, and so... I would get up early and I'd drive her to work at 5 a.m. And after a while, I realized that, one, a couple things. One, I don't like 5 a.m. That is not, that to me, that's night. That's not morning. And, and so it's hard to get up and take someone to work. And then, two, like, you know, this would be easier if we had a second vehicle. But because we didn't have a ton of money, I, I found a vehicle and it was for $750 and it was a motorcycle. Now, I've never ridden a motorcycle before. But I figured it's not that much different than riding a bike. So $750, we can do that. Bought a motorcycle, um, and that was how I got into riding motorcycles. Now, one thing I realized when I first started riding a motorcycle was this. There are things that happen around us all the time that when you are in a car, you have no idea. 
There were things that I didn't know. Like when I rode a motorcycle, it's just like in the ocean. You ever in the ocean and you feel like a pocket of warm water goes by you and you think like, what is that? It's just on a motorcycle, you can be riding and there's pockets of warm and cold air when you're driving. You don't know that when you're in the car. Uh, we, We lived in Orange County at the time and it was at Orange County when there were still orange groves in Orange County. Now it's not Orange County anymore, but, that it's, but there were still some orange groves. And so when you're riding a motorcycle, all of a sudden in the spring, you would just get hit with this huge, overwhelming smell of the citrus blossoms, which is amazing. And I never in all my years in a car noticed that. I even realized that when you ride a motorcycle, there is a secret club of people who ride motorcycles. And many of you don't know this, and you are not a part of it, so it doesn't matter. But there's this little thing that happens when you're riding your motorcycle, and you see another person riding a motorcycle. There's this little wave that you do, and it's a little kind of peace sign right here while you're riding. And you you say hi to them. And if you don't know that, you don't belong. But the rest of us who ride motorcycles, I didn't. there's this little secret club that and it happens everywhere you go across the country watch motorcycles when you're driving in your car and say I wish I was on a motorcycle because I could be cool like they are so sometimes when I'm in my truck I try to give the little hello to motorcycles when they drive by and they're like you're in a car man you know but I didn't know that existed but it's always been there and today when I'm we want to talk about the rhythm of rest the rhythm of rest helps us to step out of the cab and to see things that are already there that we don't notice, that we just pass right by. We pass by them because we're too busy, because we have things to do, because there's just stuff that needs to get done. And I'm talking about in just physical, everyday life, there's, we are busy people in our work lives, we're busy people at home. If you are a parent, in here today with kids in the school system or in sports or activities, you are guilty probably as well, but we're busy with our kids, and also we're busy in our spiritual lives. So there's a practical application, and there's a spiritual application. Some of us are so busy trying to be perfect Christians that we're overwhelmed and exhausted. And so today we want to look at the rhythm of rest. And ask, why is that commanded to us? And how do we get out of the cab and pause and see things that are already there? So pray with me as we get started. God, we thank you for this time. And I pray now that you would help us to slow down enough to listen to you. That we could hear, that we could get out of the cab and notice the ways that you are working already. And Lord, would you speak to us in this place? And Lord, would you help us to rest? We give you this time now. Amen. I want to open, uh, invite you. We're going to go to a few different places in Scripture. Uh, we're going to start off in Genesis. It was right at the beginning. I have most of these verses on the screen for you except for this one. But the whole idea of rest starts early on in Scripture. Genesis chapter 2 is we have the story of creation of how God creates the world. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 it says, The heavens and the earth were completed and all of their hosts. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. 
And God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it. That means he set it apart. Because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So scripture begins, the story of our Bible begins at the very beginning and says, God created all these things. He created humans. And then he rested from his work. It doesn't mean that God didn't do anything the rest of creation. It doesn't mean that he's uninvolved. It doesn't mean that he created and sent the planets and the earth in motion and started spinning. And he said, well, done with that one. But there's this idea in here that God rested. And because he rested from, he ceased from creative activity, he set that day apart. Now, we hear that and say, okay. Now, in Exodus, this is the next book over in your Old Testament, so the next book over is a book of Exodus chapter 20. In chapter 20, there's a list of what we know as the Ten Commandments. And and many people, whether you're in the church or outside the church, whatever your background is, you might have heard of the Ten Commandments. We know a lot of them. Most of us know a few of them. But one of them in there is a command to rest. In fact, it says this in verse 8 of chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord God, on it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He set it apart. So what does this command actually mean? What does it really mean? Why should we rest and what is rest that we're dealing with? What are we talking about? Are we talking about, okay, just have one day a week, so let's say it's Sundays. I know in our country, um, many years ago, things were closed on Sundays. I think even probably when I was a a little kid, there's still a lot of things that were closed. Some of you probably remember well the times when nothing was open on Sundays. And, but, so, yeah, let's say it's, is this just talking about have one day a week where you don't go into work? That's, that's it. Or is there something more to this command? What is this idea of rest? And why is that commanded to us? Why is this something that we need to know? Is it because of how we're created? We're created in the image of God and he rested, so should we rest? In fact, Augustine says it this way. He says that, God, you have made us for yourself. We cannot rest until we rest in you. So is this idea of rest something of something that we can find because we're created by God, we're created to experience rest, and how does that look? I was thinking about this uh, command, and my family, we used to live in Israel, we lived in Jerusalem for a year, and uh, with all three kids, and in Jerusalem, which happens to be the most religiously uptight city in Israel, which is already a pretty religiously uptight um, country in general, but Jerusalem, so the Sabbath is a big deal. It's a largely Jewish culture there, and so the Jewish population, they observe the Sabbath on Saturdays, and it's a day of rest. Now, for them, that means that Friday night at sundown, the Sabbath begins, and everything closes, and it is closed until sundown on Saturday. So for 24 hours, you have rest, and everything is closed. Now, one thing we learned very quickly about the rules there is it was a day commanded for all people to rest because it's a Sabbath, but there were so many rules and laws that you had to follow to know how to rest that it became a day where you worked hard to rest. 
I mean, we, we realize there's all these different things that went on. In fact, we um, found a Christian church that met on Saturdays, and so we would, um, the very first day we went there, we walked there, and it was about two miles from our apartment, and it was up this hill, and we had three kids. They were all uh, pretty young, so that was not a restful walk. Um, from that on, we started taking a taxi to church, which was breaking the Sabbath, but that's okay. We're under God's grace. So we, um, but we would go to the church and then walk home and and although it was only two miles, you would take three or four hours because we'd walk through the park, you'd meet people, you'd just sit and relax, you'd have lunch, because there was nothing else to do. But our first Saturday there, we met a family. He was a professor at Syracuse, and they became friends of ours, uh, and they were uh, studying, uh, they were on furlough over there and studying as well at Hebrew University. And we met them, and we, uh, one of the first things I asked is I was pushing uh, Ben in a stroller and said, is this allowed on the Sabbath? She said, well, you can push a baby. And I said, well, how far can I push him? She said, oh, this is great. If you live in Jerusalem, we have a line around the city, and you can go anywhere in Jerusalem. Because normally, the law on the Sabbath is you can only walk a a half-day journey from your home. If you go beyond that, now you are working. So you had it, but in Jerusalem, they had a little loophole where it went around the whole city, which was one of the bigger cities in Jerusalem. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, they also found you couldn't cook on the Sabbath, so you had to, because it would be starting, lighting a fire or starting a new fire, so um, you couldn't turn on lights, uh, but if you happened to live in an apartment with Christians, and uh, we would walk out in our hallway at night on the Sabbath, and the, the stairway wouldn't be lit, we'd turn on the lights, and all of our neighbors would be like, oh, thank you. We're so glad we have some backsliders in our building, so <laughs> turn on the lights for us. Someone else can do it, but you can't do it. You can't push a button on an elevator to make the elevators go up and down. That would be work. So they have elevators set on Sabbath mode that just go up and down and stop at every other floor constantly for 24 hours. I didn't do it. I just stepped in. I didn't work. So there's all these ways to get around doing work. There's laws even if you spit on the Sabbath and it hits the ground and it moves the dirt, you plowed the field and you therefore worked. That's forbidden to spit on the ground on the Sabbath. So there are so many rules to rest to make sure you're resting that it's not restful. I even had a friend who uh, owned a car and he drove through a very orthodox neighborhood on the Sabbath and he got pelted with rocks because they're like, you you can't start a car because that's creating fire. It's a new creation when you do that and you're working. So when he drove through this neighborhood on the Sabbath, they pelted his car with rocks and said, you're not allowed to work. They would be yelling at him which if it were me, I would have said, hey, throwing rocks is work. But um, I wasn't with him, so I probably preserved my life by not doing that. But it's very uptight, missing the point, if you ask me. Missing the point. So why, what is the point? Why does God command us to rest? There's a few thoughts I have for us. The first one is this. A command to rest helps us to experience God in the gifts of his creation. Rest, why rest? Because it helps us experience God in the gifts of his creation. One of the things that I grew to love about living in Jerusalem and having everything closed was that walk home from our church gathering. Because we really were not in a hurry. Because there was no reason to get anywhere fast. And we would sit in the park on days very much like this. The weather is very similar. And you'd be with your kids. You'd be outside. A lot of the olive trees and the kids playing on the playground, meeting new people. 
and you would just enjoy what God has given you. We could enjoy living there. We could enjoy our kids. We weren't in a hurry, so the fact that they were slow walkers didn't bug us on the Sabbath. How many of us need to stop and to enjoy the gifts of God's creation? We live in a pretty great area, do we not? It's easy for us to enjoy when many of our friends and family right now are experiencing rain and snow and cold and, you know, we've been shivering for two weeks and now we can finally come out of our homes and enjoy this. (laughs) I'm always reminded when we have family who visits from Seattle area and they want to go look at the sunset. I'm like, look at the sunset? The sunset's every day. (laughs) And they think, no, we live in Seattle. It's set in October. It'll come up in April. Don't worry. (laughs) But what reminds me every time they're here and they want to watch the sunset over the ocean is it reminds me of God's gifts of his creation to us. And sometimes it takes you out of the routine and say, oh yeah, that actually is kind of spectacular, is it not? When we stop and rest, we can actually look at our kids and say, God, they are, they are a gift to us. There are times it's hard to remember that kids are a gift When you pause, you can be thankful for a marriage you may have. Marriage isn't easy. You'll have struggles. Sometimes when you pause and take the to-do list and put it aside and say, let's just be together, you see things differently. So I think God commands us to rest because it helps us to enjoy who he is and the gifts that he gives us. And we don't see them when we're in the cab. You have to step out. You have to experience it. You rest. And so one of the reasons I think God commands us that is to experience his gifts. The other thing is this. It demonstrates our trust in God's character and his provision. It demonstrates our trust in who God is. When we rest. How many of you are addicted to your phones? Don't raise your hands, but you can raise it for your spouse. No, don't, no. How many of you are so tied to your phone that when you leave for work, you get to work, you realize your phone's at home, your day is essentially ruined? (laughs) And you forget the days when none of us had phones and you still got work done. But some of you can't go very long without looking at your phone. Don't raise your hand. How many of you sleep with the phone next to your bed? Psychologists would tell you, stop doing that. I will tell you today, I recommend stop doing that. I was hearing from someone this last week. He said, I don't, I don't really check my phone. Like, I don't sleep with my phone. It's just when I get up at night to go to the bathroom, I just check it. <laughs> We're addicted to that constant communication. And some of you say, oh, I just one more email. I just, hey, I, I'm, not wor- I'm not working. I just have a couple things I need to do. But I'm not working. But just a couple more emails. I just got to respond to this one thing. Feeling convicted yet, anyone? (laughs) Yeah. When we rest, it demonstrates a trust in God's provision. We're commanded to rest because it makes us say, you know what? If I don't get ahead today, it's going to be all right. If I don't do just one more thing, I trust that I'm still in God's hand. 
And I'm not talking about being irresponsible and not meeting deadlines or requirements that are asked of you. And, and, and there are times when I get it, something you need to go a little extra. I mean, yesterday we had a staff and elder planning day and we spent the day praying together and dreaming about the future of Seacoast. It, it, I didn't have a day off this week and I won't until next weekend. So it comes up every once in a while. But some of us are so addicted to getting ahead and work and doing the next thing that we don't stop and demonstrate our trust in God's provision. Maybe you can stop work, but how about this? Okay, time to get personal. How many of you parents are creating a culture in your kids of busyness? Because if they're not in another club, sport, or activity, then someone else is going to be better than them. And I'm not saying you never do some extra things or extra teams or coaching. We've done the same. I like it. It's fun. I'm a coach. But how many of us keep thinking, well, if we don't have just one more tutoring session, just one more baseball practice, just one more dance recital, just one extra thing, then our kids might not have the future. They might not get into the right college. Can we step back and learn to rest from time to time and trust in God's provision? We might actually find as well that our kids are probably going to be okay. Maybe instead of that extra practice, you say, hey, let's go hang out at the beach. Let's go do something fun that won't get you ahead in life. Let's go do something totally impractical that isn't going to help you get into college. Let's just rest and be together. It demonstrates our trust in God's provision. We're getting personal yet? (laughs) In Isaiah chapter 40, I have the verses for you on the screen. Verse 28 through 31 says this, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is an everlasting God. He's a creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases his strength. Even youth grow faint and weary, and young men shall feel exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Isaiah's writing, God's speaking through Isaiah and saying, Do you not know that we're all going to wear out? We're all going to feel tired from time to time. We're all going to, we are not superhuman people. And notice the cure for this, if you, when you feel exhausted or you need to be recharged, notice what he says to do. Is it eat better, go to the gym more? Is it all of that? No, those are good things, but what does he say? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Wait on the Lord in Scripture means to trust that God is at work. Trust in who He is. To wait. Quit trying to be God and control every situation. How many of you think God is too busy to handle your situation so you say, I got this one. I'll work on this. I'll control this situation, Lord. When you say, learn to wait. Rest from time to time. Trust that I am. We've got this. I can renew your strength. So rest allows us to enjoy God and his creation. Rest 
allows us or demonstrates our trust in his provision and also rest helps us to listen. It helps us to listen. We can hear. I used to uh, work at my parents, uh, my grandparents' uh, farm every summer in northern Minnesota. And one of my jobs is I drove the tractor. I, I raked the fields and part of baling the hay. So you drive a tractor for about 10 hours, 12 hours a day in the summer to get ready to bale all the hay. And when you're, the tractor would be running the whole day until lunchtime. And I remember someone you would usually bring lunch out to the field. You grab your lunch, turn off the tractor, and just sit there. And it's amazing how much you can hear in the silence. It's amazing how well you can hear in the silence. The birds that have been there all day. The little creek that's running by the field that's been running all day. We can hear God when we take a pause from time to time. And when I say take a pause, I mean maybe in prayer, just say, God, I want to hear from you. But take a pause from talking. Take a pause from talking to him. Anyone know anybody who just talks all the time and you can never get a word in? Some of you are looking at your spouse right now. Okay, that's great. So <laughs> try not to make any eye contact. But you just talk and talk and talk. And even when they're not talking, they're getting ready to say the next thing. That's the only reason they're not talking. They're thinking of what they want to say. Some of you, you know that's you, all right? A lot of us, that's how we pray. That's how we speak to God. Say, so God, here's what's on my mind. Here's what I need you to do. Here's all the things I just want, I, I want to hear from you. I just want your will for me. Okay, and then I also need uh, this and this. I just want your will. Do you think I should do this, God, or this? And what? You, oh, it's so, I got to get going. That's what our prayer lives look like. When we rest, we can listen. I encourage some of you maybe this week to pull out your Bible. Don't try to read 20 chapters, try to read one verse, two verses, one psalm, and then just listen. Sit on the beach, go in the mountains, or look at the mountains if you like them. Sit in your backyard, or front yard, or wherever you have a space. It allows us to listen. So how do we rest? What are the ways we can rest? I just have a few practical things for you, and you... So I'm going to give you a to-do list of how to rest. Here we go. <laughs> Let me just give you a few practical things. We all have things in our own lives that we know. But one is this. Try to develop some sort of regular rhythm of rest. And this is a break from work. It might be a break from sports. Or God forbid, it's a break from social media. <laughs> Make a regular rhythm of rest. For some of you, once a week, you can, maybe it is Sundays, you can take the rest of the day and say, I'm not doing any work, I'm not looking at my phone, I'm just going to be with people, just going to be with my family, I'm just going to relax, maybe that's it. For some of you, you think, well, I could do that, but I've got a lot I need to do at home. Develop some sort of rhythm. Maybe it's a couple hours a week, baby steps are okay. Maybe for you, it's every day, you can develop, oh, I, I know I can carve out a half hour to just Rest. Maybe get up early and just rest. But do that by turning off the technology. Put it away. I encourage you to take a time in your family and say, hey, for this hour every day, it's off. Just read a book, hang out together, play a game, stare at each other and figure out what you're supposed to do when there's not technology going on. Develop some sort of rhythm. 
Next idea that I had is this, this can sometimes help, is kind of like moving from the car to the motorcycle, is change, change one thing from time to time. Just change something different. How many of you hate mornings? Anyone hate mornings in here? Okay, one, three of you, four of you, first service was the same. You guys are all overachievers. You guys are all up too early, working too hard. You all need this. (laughs) So if you hate mornings, I encourage you, take, every once in a while, just get up super early and notice how different it is. Maybe some, the rest of you, stay up a little later. Change something of your rhythm. Go to work and forget your phone on purpose. (laughs) No, I'm not ready for that, Ryan. This is a little, <laughs> this convicting stuff. What are you t- telling me about? Change something of your rhythm that causes you to get out of the normal routine. Take a hooky day with your kids. My wife actually implemented that when we were, when our kids were young. Her, her parents raised her and they got three, three or four days off uh, a year from school. The kids could choose and just say, hey, I'm taking the day off. Personal day thought that was great. I had that growing up too. It's just no one knew. Um, but <laughs> trying to get around it, you know, the principal was a little harder. But, um, but it's so cool to look at your kids and say, hey, you know what? Let's do something different today. Show up at your spouse's work and say, hey, let's, let's take a long lunch. Change your routine. Rest. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. The last thing is this, I want to just briefly talk and end a practical thing. Is for, we've been talking more of practical life. But in your spiritual lives, some of you are tired as well. Some of you have been trying to please God, and you think if you don't read the Bible enough this week, or you don't pray enough this week, or if you don't keep the Sabbath this week, that somehow you're not measuring up in God's eyes. You haven't been spiritual enough, and so you feel tired. You feel guilty. You feel like God's saying, no, maybe this talk is convicting you so much, you think, I could never do this. And you feel heavy laden and burdened. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to give you rest. Jesus wasn't talking about rest from social media. He wasn't talking about the Sabbath. He wasn't talking about taking a day off. He was saying spiritually, some of you are exhausted. But when you follow me, Jesus says, you will find that burden lifted. You will find rest. Because it stops being about the work you can do to please God and the work that Jesus did because he loves you. And so the last thing I want to share for how we can rest is build up your confidence and your faith in the works of Jesus. Trust that what he has done is enough for you and for me. And build up that faith. And every time you start feeling the weight and the guilt of saying, I forgot to open my Bible today. I forgot to pray today. Build up your faith that, oh yeah, Jesus, you said that you are enough for me. I'm going to trust that. Now, ironically, I believe the more we trust and understand the work Jesus has done, the more we're set free to, the more I want to know more about this God, 
The more I do pray to him, the more I am able to praise, the more I'm able to open up the word and say, I want to know you more because you've set me free. I want to invite, invite the worship team to make their way back up. There's an author named Ian Thomas who uses the analogy for us, many of us spiritually, says that you're digging a hole. And how would it be if you are digging a hole and someone came to, re, to give you rest from digging the hole, and the way they gave you rest is by giving you new techniques of how to do it. And say, oh, you look really tired. Why don't you try digging this way? Why don't you try this shovel? Well, let me t- let's talk about all the philosophies of how you can dig a hole, but you're still in the hole and you're still digging. Ian Thomas uses that as an analogy of how many of us live our spiritual lives, as we are feeling the burden, and all we do is keep talking about different ways to live this life, when what Jesus does is he says, give me the shovel, get out of the hole, and he digs for us. See, the work that Jesus has done on the cross to forgive us for our sins and to welcome us into his family as a child of God, that is the ultimate rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, verse 10 says this, anyone who enters God's rest, rests from their works. We can rest from our works trying to please God. Build up your faith in what Jesus has done is enough. So we're going to end our time with a song. And before I do, let's just close our eyes. And let's just take a moment. Some of you this morning just need to breathe in really deeply. You need to listen. You need to enjoy God. You need to place the burden of needing to achieve more and do more. You need to set it down. And you need to rest.